Dessert the dessert when you go to the desert, but bring better buddies. Welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we have Kelvin. Yo. And James. Hello. How are you guys doing? doing I'm, uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm, I'm still pretty good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this evening is, uh, it's a little weather related, you know, it's, it's December 2. We are, mm-hmm. we're getting into the Christmas season, cold weather in yeah. certain parts of the world. Uh, so our question is, how do we feel about scarves? Yay or nay? Um, one, well, I mean, I think like everyone obviously can like wear a scarf. Can um, they? I think so. I, well, I mean, ever anyone who has a neck, like physically you can wear a scarf, like <laughs> not that they, not that they should. Uh, no, there's a definitely difference between like who's able to and who should. Um, and I, I think like, I like scarves personally, but I've also like gone plenty of times without them. I would vote yay personally. Um, but there's like, scarves are kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some like similar accessory where it's like, you really need to look like a certain way sometimes to pull them off. What about you, Calvin? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd probably go about the same. I don't know that I could necessarily pull off a scarf, but I mean, I don't have an issue with them. I'm yay. I I own two scarves. One of them is so nice and warm in the winter. It's yeah. this big, long, green and purple Hulk scarf, and it is <laughs> it's toasty. I, I get jealous of girls a lot, and this is one of the things that I get jealous <laughs> Are you still? Are you still? I remember this from high school. Are you still jealous of uh, UGG boots and the I am like fur lined boots? Okay, but didn't the uh, um who's the actor? Uh, he was in Tron. Oh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, didn't Jeff Bridges do a commercial wearing UGG boots? Yeah, I mean UGG makes UGG makes boots for men now. They have a whole men's line. It does, but I don't feel like it's accepted. Like, it's like, it's usually played as like a joke. Like, it's all like, oh, it's goofy. Like, look at Jeff Bridges wearing Ugg boots. And it's like, I'm not saying like everyone needs to be like totally cool with it. All I'm saying is like, I just want it to be uh, uh, accepted and promoted. But um, I've tried on a pair of men's Uggs before. They were pretty comfortable. They're so nice. Like, slippers like that are so nice. And if I could wear like boots like that, oh my God. So do you want that with scarves? Uh, yes. But again, this is, this is one of the things where I'm jealous with girls. Cause I feel like I see a lot more girls who are able to get away with like, do you guys remember the like German foreign exchange students and they bought those scarves that were like literally the size of like picnic blankets. They would like, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, it'd be like two eyes and like their hair peeking out over like a mound of like scarves. Those actually were like blankets, not they were those were like blankets they were pretending to be scarves. Yeah, like, it, those things were insane. It was nuts. And it's like, you know, most of the scarves I see with like women, you know, it's not, you know, it's not that ridiculous. But I do feel like women get away with having like 
like warmer scarf. Like a lot of guy scarves I see, it's more just about like it, it's almost almost just supposed to be a stand-in for like a tie. So it's usually like kind of slimmer. Like it's still warm, but it's just not like poofy and comfortable. It's kind of like bike seats, I guess, in that sense. So what I'm hearing is I got really lucky with my Hulk scarf. Yes. Yeah, because it sounds like you're saying that it was like pretty big, right? Oh yeah. Damn. You how do you tie it? Uh wrap it around and then just kind of tuck one of the ends in. Hmm. They, you do that. It's you a do little that. um it's not really like you said, James, with the thin scarves being like ties, you can actually like basically tie them into things. A hulk mm. you cannot contain. You just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> okay, so he's a little he's a little more finicky. Yeah. Because I know there's like you know, obviously the go-to that everyone wants to do for like tying or like wearing a scarf is what like just the wrapping around the neck basically and then like throwing the two you know ends like over one of your shoulders or something like that but okay, like this has brought up the question in my mind james do you think there are more than one there's more than one way to wear a scarf like the way yeah, you can tie is. ties differently yeah there, there are. are there, there, there are, are. there are 100 are multiple ways <laughs> yeah there are it, it's just like it's not as varied because, like, you can't get as complex with... I mean, I guess you could with a scarf, but it's, like, a scarf. Like, um, ties are more ornamental anyway. Like, they're meant to be decorative, so that's why there's just so many different ways that are, like, obvious. But scarf hmm. is more, like, practical. So, like, yeah, like, one of the ways, like, one, some of my friends in Milwaukee showed me was, like, you just make a loop and then you stuff kind of, like, the... Um, the end bits like in you tie it and then that cinches it up around your neck it makes like a nice almost like cravat type thing and it keeps everything like nice and tight and warm like on your throat and chest cool it's pretty fun i'm gonna have to look into this you are it's pretty simple too so it's uh, it's like takes like a minute to learn maybe our next segment better buddies recommend where we recommend Mm -hmm. a piece of media to enjoy as I settle into that weekly panic of not picking one ahead of time. Same. I've got one. Uh, please got go one. then, so that I can panic further. Alright, um, so this isn't like a show. This is going to be a big departure from the stuff I've recommended before. This is not like a show. This isn't a book. This isn't anything. This is something that I found like a few days ago. I was uh, going through uh, JFK's uh, Wikipedia page. Like, I was just kind of reading it for fun. because I was like, oh, it's about JFK as one does as one does and I was scrolling through it um and I came up on like a a term that I had heard before but I had never really like looked into that heavily it's called Operation Northwoods you guys ever heard of this before no it was a CIA program in like that was introduced in like 1962 um and it was actually a the operation proposed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to JFK in 62, uh, basically saying and asking for permission to stage like false flag attacks on civilian wow. and military targets um, to goad the United States into a war with Cuba uh, to prevent like some of the shit that had happened with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So basically the military was asking for permission to blow up like military bases and like post offices and uh, use that as an excuse to invade Cuba. And JFK vetoed it. Um, And then a year later he died. (laughs) Oh, so so that's added to a lot of like, uh, like theories and things like that. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, But 
Uh, it's really cool because on the Wikipedia page, if you scroll down to the citations, you can actually find um, the PDF for the document. Like they have it in the National Archives and like it could be edited and doctored and it definitely is to some degree, but I've been reading through it for the past couple of days and it's just like fascinating to read like this sort of document that really is like genuine part of American history that's like not really discussed um, that often. and. I don't know. I, just, I find like all that like 50s, 60s, 70s ish era sci like CIA stuff just fascinating because it's like all this shit that was going on kind of like in the backstage of like the American political theater that you just don't hear about. Um, well, but when, yeah. when you like look at all that stuff, it's also interesting. It was all in the background. People didn't know about it. So what are we going to find out in 20 to 30 years from now? That's what I'm saying is like right now, like, you know, we get all this stuff and it's like, it's just the stuff that they like tell us about, or at the very least, like maybe less cynically, it's the stuff that they like were able to like remember or actually recorded or, you know, shit that wasn't lost or whatever. So it's like, yeah, like how, what are we going to know like 20 or 30 years from now about, you know, some of the stuff that might be going on now or has been going on and, and all that. Um, it's just fascinating to me. Like, that is the difference between, I'd argue, like this country and others, um, no matter like how shitty it can get, is at least like let you read the receipts of like <laughs> kind of what they were thinking and doing. Once, like, the, uh, once the warranty is void. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, so it's kind of shitty because it's like you don't get to read the stuff until like 50 years after it's out, by which case most people who've been like readily or like presently affected by it would be dead um, or too old to even know what anyone was talking about. But, and of course, like I said, like, you know, if you want to take it to full like conspiracy schizo territory, it's like, well, all of those documents could be fake and Wikipedia could be like a branch of the intelligence agency or whatever. But it's like, ah, whatever. Like, I'll believe some stuff is real because that, you know, me hold on to my sanity but i i yeah. found the article i went to the wikipedia page and i found the uh document you're saying from the archives yeah i'm just reading through it as well one i like that they're like it is recommended that we don't give this to anybody in <laughs> any u.s officers in nato or the united nations basically <laughs> <laughs> saying like people are gonna be <laughs> and those people just aren't gonna understand <laughs> yeah, and then they're listing like examples and uh I like that one of them is a remember the main incident could be arranged in several forms. We could blow up a U.S. ship at Guantanamo Bay and blame Cuba. So the exact same thing we did to the Spanish. <laughs> well, if it or, worked once. Yeah. It's so weird, too, because it's like, and I know, like, I, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, the first, the, you know, one of the first things like reading something like this that I go to it, like the closest analog I would have would be like nine 11 and be like reading shit like this. Like, I think I do think like nine 11 was probably like real. Like I, I think James. like, I'm like, well, I'm just saying it's like weird reading these documents and being like, wait a minute. <laughs> like they had these uh, ideas for shit like this, like 40 years ago. <laughs> I like this one is uh, invade a neighboring Caribbean island and say it was the Cubans. <laughs> well, yeah, no, because that was the thing, too. It's like they were going to have like they were going to enlist like pro CIA Cubans to essentially like dress or masquerade as hostile like Cuban pro Cuban forces or whatever. 
they were just gonna they were just gonna have people like actual Cubans just pretend that Cuba was like getting ready to invade the U.S. or becoming like more aggressive. Wow, and it's just like fascinating because it's it's like holy Shoot shit! Down a civilian airliner filled with college students on holiday. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> I, I just skimmed through it. I assumed they would somehow fake this, but I don't know. Because a lot of it is talking about faking, like, deaths. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, isn't it the whole thing, though, that the CIA flooded America with drugs to fund their, like, weapons operations? Well, that's at least, like, those are the theories behind, like, the, the crack epidemics and, like, LSD and shit. Um, well, the that, CIA did develop, like, LSD. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't put it past the CIA to blow up a plane full of college students. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I, I think they've probably honestly done... So, so your recommendation, James, is read up on America's sketchy history? <laughs> I recommend if you really want to read a, a piece of, of American history or American conspiracy history or whatever, read up the Operation Northwoods documents. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, some real people actually wrote this. Like, this isn't like a movie script. This isn't like a TV show thing or something from a book. Like, and was like actually real. authorized by the Joint Chiefs. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it was just waiting on approval from Kennedy, and then he vetoed it. Um, so... This is something that was written by like real experts, like real like historical people in this country who proposed these as real ideas. Yikes. So, Calvin, so read it. Fascinating. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation yet, or should I go? Uh, I think I have one. I don't know that I've recommended this before, but I may have. Um, Altered Carbon. Oh. I was uh, watching it. I just kind of threw on an episode. The other night so it's um if you don't know altered carbon is a kind of futuristic cyberpunk noir i know it's a book series and i've really got to read the books because i've heard the books are great but i've only seen the netflix series and i watched the first season and loved it and i could only get like two or three episodes into the second season i gotta give it another shot but the first season is amazing. It's just this really well done cyberpunk noir kind of series. It's like 10 or 12 episodes long, I want to say. And it's it's just really good. He's got, um, what's his name? Is it Joel Kinnaman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joel Kinnaman as like the main actor in it. And he's freaking great. Uh, I love him in it. Uh, which is one of the reasons I was sad because he didn't come back for season two. They had, uh, what's his name? The Anthony Falcon. Mackie. Anthony Mackie, which I was skeptical about, but he seemed, he did, he, I, I enjoyed him in the couple episodes I saw of season two. Um, I think it was just the overall direction season two was headed didn't interest me. Um, it was less noir. Mm. Um, and I really dug the kind of noir aspect of the first season. Yeah. And it also kind of felt like they had a little bit less of a budget in the second season. Because um, the set in the first season was fantastic. Because um, it's set in a, like a cyberpunk Bay City area. So it's like San Francisco kind of thing. This is... Okay, this is shot to the top of my list. It's been on my list for a while, for years now. But it's shot to the top because I... Yeah. Because of the noir theming. I'm, yeah, like... It's not super classic noir, um, 
but it's very much he's um so the basics of it are there are these things called stacks which are basically hold on to your consciousness and so it's like kind of semi-immortality um so if your body dies you can just get implanted into a new body um and this guy the main character has been around for like a long time and all this stuff and he's like this elite dude and he's like brought back us um to like solve this like ridiculously rich guy who like insanely like owns like everything rich guy uh he's like brings him back to like solve his own murder and um because since like he can like come back to different bodies and all this stuff he he that's why he's still alive um but stuff happened that he couldn't remember so that's like kind of the starting point but then there's some other uh threat story threads about like the main guy's past and um, some other things that are happening of like colleagues that he makes that kind of branch out the story. Um, but this kind of noir investigation is kind of the, the center point. Um, and there are points where like he narrates, he does the noir Ooh. like narration over himself as he's like doing things and stuff. So I like that touch. Um, and I, yeah, I just, it's great action. Um, I think the visual effects are really well done. Um, the world building, I think, is pretty great. Uh, the acting, I think, is great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've been meaning to f- try and find some noir stuff to watch because the D&D campaign I'm running, the world is inspired by noir themes, but I don't actually know that much noir stuff, so... You gotta I'm, read... Uh, I'm gonna go do big, this. You gotta read The Big Sleep. Or I could uh, yeah. watch Altered Carbon. Or that. <laughs> or LA Confidential. Or LA Confidential. Yeah, LA Confidential. Yeah, holy shit. I forgot. The movie's fucking long as shit. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, um, I'm going to recommend a movie. Go for it. I don't think I've recommended it before, but if I have, I'm going to get way more specific with it. I'm going to recommend Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope Special Edition. Go away. No, I like the special um, edition. They were cool. There were th- the the special edition trilogy came in the cool golden box, and it had a little clip at the beginning being like, "Hey, here's the stuff we did with special edition because we're gonna do this thing. Hope we hope you like it." But specifically because David Prowse, yes, was the Darth Vader actor who passed away the in the last week. Yeah. So, special edition version. Uh, Han may have shot first, but. The special edition version overall wins. That might actually be one of the worst. Um, oh, like, worst editing. But yeah, one of the worst things done to a movie. Just like it's like it's like it's like doodling on the fucking like Sistine Chapel. Like, he like, like moves to the left and back without like the rest of him moving. Doesn't well, it, yeah, and it's so dumb too. It's like because. Uh. Him shooting first totally fits within the context of the character. Like it totally fits. Like but it's too violent. It's worth oh, noting. I think. Good guy. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that made Solo good for me was at the end when he did shoot first. Of like a mm-hmm. hey, they know what's up. Yeah, but they wouldn't have had to do that if the special edition hadn't come out. No, they would have just done it anyways. Yeah, I know, but it wouldn't have been anything special. It would have been just like yeah. On, but now everyone's like, oh, yeah, Joffer. It's just like, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but RJ, with the original cut, the, the final scene of the award ceremony, the room is filled with cardboard cutouts. But in the special edition scene, you get the job of the hut scene. And oh, it's so bad. bad. It's shit. so bad. It was literally hot. It's terrible. Have you seen it recently? Yeah. No. Han, when he walks over his tail, he it's like as bad of editing as making Han shoot first. He goes because he like jitters and he's just like bada, 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 like yeah. as he steps over Chopper's tail. It looks horrible. Yeah, he like scats a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett footage. <laughs> no, I mean. Yeah, it, it sucks to say it, it's mean, but there are like YouTube videos now with like better graphics than the special edition of Star Wars. Okay, but, yeah, I mean, but the like, special edition Star Wars came out twenty years ago. That's fair. I yeah, it's it, this is yeah. this is all fair. So I'm not. You know what? As a kid too, I'm not gonna lie. Like I really didn't. I didn't even like find the all kind of the extra shit they added because I I was already kind of used to it. Because it was like, cool stuff. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, to too, is, like, I saw the the original cuts, I'm pretty sure, but, like, as a kid, like, I was already playing the video games, I was watching the TV shows, like, I was reading the book, like, and it wasn't, like, Star Wars was, was ever this, like, singular experience for me, like, I, I kind of took it all in at once, so, like, I saw that type of shit in a movie, I wasn't like, what is all this, like, bullshit, they're just putting this in here for... <laughs> <laughs> uh, like give give you know uh, video games and all this bullshit because I wasn't uh, you know cynical and corroded yeah. <laughs> back then. I was wild. I was just like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like that that you know, creature or whatever. You know, I'm, this might be like the third week in a row I've touched on it, but I, I just after I'm one episode behind on Mandalorian, and they keep adding little details to just tie things into it because they can. Yeah. Like, uh, so in the, uh, there were Star Wars video games with Kyle Katarn, I think, that had the, uh, yeah. Death Troopers? Hmm. Also, no, the Dark Troopers, like the Black Dark Troopers, one. yeah. And now it's in, like, those are now official, uh, supposedly, like, that's the, um, they were, like, in one scene of a recent episode of Mandalorian as, like, an experimental project that's still ongoing. Interesting. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? I mean, I think it's great. Because it's clearly like... And I think a lot of it has to do with Dave Filoni being at the head of it. Because he's been driving Star Wars forward and has shown a lot of respect for the EU, the old EU, and trying to salvage what he can out of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, to an extent, but I figure I think it's I think in his case it's more of a I'm going to take everything I that, like I can possibly get from it and like s- salvage it across and smuggle it aboard into the Disney verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I think about it really and honestly, like, like I really do think the the last thing that was produced, like the last piece of media produced that I saw. And got invested in, to be fair, I guess. Um, under the Star Wars name that still felt like Star Wars was probably like Star Wars Black Wars. Not since that TV show have I seen a piece of media with the name Star Wars like put on it. Where I'm like, that actually feels like still yeah. kind of paying mind to the original like feeling of the movie. 
Yeah, I, it just I have to I, ask, have you seen Mandalorian yet? I, I haven't, so okay. that's big asterisk I've, on that, but yeah. I've seen the first three, and I still would say I would probably agree with James. Um, and I, I would say parts of Rogue One mm. had close aspects to original Star Wars for me. Um, of all the newest films, I would say part, not all of Rogue One, but definitely Rogue One definitely had moments where it felt like more OG Star Wars, uh, as opposed to all the others never really had those parts for me. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely agree Clone Wars was pretty solid. Like it was, it, they definitely dumped down a lot of it because it was heavily geared towards kids. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I definitely think, especially the later seasons of it, they did a really good job of keeping the Star Wars feel. I still think, like, I would love to see... I think the Clone Wars, like, aesthetic and that universe is really, really cool. And I totally think you could do, like, legit... Like, a, a genuinely, quote-unquote, gritty and or serious movie set in the Clone Wars. Like, I think that yeah. totally would be possible. I, um... Well, and I think... There's room. There's supposedly a Clone Wars spinoff show happening. That's kind of like end of Clone Wars, beginning of Rebellion arc era, with the Bad Batch troopers they introduced in the last season. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, because they they definitely set that up as a kind of they're off on their own, and they yeah that they I I think I remember reading an um, article saying something similar to that. They were trying to spin that off. I would think oh, that would be a little grittier. Bad Batch was the, uh, it's like the guy with the jetpack and, like, the big dude. And... They're the clone trooper X-Men. Yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah, okay. I mean, they have a Cyclops and a bestial <clears throat> dude who stabs people, so. Yeah, they all have, like, a, or like quote-unquote, uh, defects in the cloning process, but they're all, like, desirable in some way and that they utilize them to make them like a kind of special squad. They also were they kind of also struck me as a uh a new version of the um clone commandos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they reminded me a lot of um <clears throat> the the that one like rookie squad that was like present through a lot of the series. Oh, yeah, that they set up. Well, well, Echo was one of those guys. From, the rookies, from that episode, yeah. the rookies. Yeah, okay. because they, yeah. they have that episode, the rookies, where you like where Rex and Cody show up and deal with a bunch of rookies that fight off droids at this random outpost. Yeah. Um, and then you're right; they kind of bring some of those guys back. And there's like Echo and Fives and like uh, one or two others, I think, survive and become Arc Troopers. And then they are in a couple more episodes and mm -hmm. one or two of them dies. And then like in that final season, they have, I want to say it's Echo, or no, five survives. Mm -hmm. Echo or five survives. Echo becomes one, a cyborg, way. right? Yeah. One, one of them survives and the other one quote unquote goes crazy and they kill him because he discovers the chip in the clone's brains. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Forced them to execute Order 66 and he has his removed and they're like, oh no, that was to help them maintain obedience and he's gone rogue and all this stuff. Which I, I hate that they took the out of there's a chip in their brains that forced them to kill all the Jedi. Yeah. I because they wanted they wanted to like somehow redeem the clone troopers, 
but I, I, I don't know. I like um, the idea that they were just conditioned, and this was just a yeah, a yeah, I, that was deep in their minds. And yeah. I don't know that they like that doesn't. I don't think that means they couldn't have had redeeming stuff anyways and brought in like redeemed Rex and stuff. They just wanted an easy throwaway so Rex could be a good guy stuff. Yeah, that that's what I was it. that's what I was about to get like say was I really wish we'd gotten that like cuz they encounter Rex and a group of clones at, in Rebels after the war and they're all old and they're the ones who like we dug our chips out but it's like man it would have been so much cooler to have Rex dealing with the guilt of having shot his friends. Yeah. Yeah. Also, in the the original EU stuff, there were clone units that disobeyed Order 66. And by making it a chip, you remove the ability for those dramatic events of clones having a choice and deciding. Because they could have gone the road of, it was deep in their programming, and basically when they heard Execute Order 66, they genuinely believed the Jedi had turned on the Republic. And then you could have had like units been like, no, this doesn't make sense. And like had a whole dramatic thing of like some choosing not to obey and breaking their programming to like obey the Galactic Republic because they know it's wrong and stuff. You took that away. You yeah. kind of had some of it of Rex fighting the chip, but it, it was, I feel like less dramatic kind of tension because it's more of, oh, he just was fighting an actual physical chip in his brain and then Ahsoka removes it and it's fine. Well, there was that one uh, anthology comic that was just kind of telling a bunch of little stories, and one of the stories in there uh, was a like a ship of Jedi Padawans that had escaped, and they wind up like rescuing a clone trooper, but it's post order, and he did he didn't like receive the order in the same way, but he like the clones show up and are like inspecting the ship and he knows what's up and he hide, he covers for these Jedi younglings who are hiding in the cargo hold and like cover, like covers for them knowingly that like he's disobeying orders. It's like, that's a cool moment that you just undid. I think, yeah. I think those are, those are good points. I, I always assumed even as a kid, like order 66 got sent out that like, yeah, it was just, heavy like psychological conditioning that the clones basically just entered like a fugue state and mm -hmm. they were just like it's like not even like a conscious like choice it's just like the minute they hear that like this is what they're doing now there's no yeah. there's no like going back and i i see um, that that reminded me of another thing i thought there was like some fan theory i thought i saw that when cody orders and i haven't seen episode three in a while doesn't mm -hmm. cody order them to shoot at the thing Obi-Wan's riding and not at Obi-Wan? Uh, I don't know that they explicitly, he explicitly says, shoot the thing. They just, yeah. he just says, like, fire, or, like, take him down, and they do lob around, like, an artillery round at him, and it hits to the side or right in front and just forces him to fall. But I do remember, I don't know if it's a fan theory or someone came in and was like, oh, he was kind of fighting it and giving him a chance by just forcing him to fall. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, and I agree too, like the chip makes it too, it either makes the clones like way too good or way too evil. And it does remove like <laughs> actual moral choice and any potential like, you know, decisions with gravity that could be carried out if they were just like struggling against something that was like subconscious programming. Because at that point, yeah. what's the difference between them and a droid? 
yeah, yeah, there's nothing. And that, and like that would be cool to read some of those stories or see a story of like it, you know, how it was before, where it's like you were talking about cow like clones that disobeyed orders, because then the question becomes like, you know, those clones who maybe survived through a majority of the clone wars, like did they essentially develop personalities then, you know, beyond um like what they were initially slated as. So is that why they would come into um conflict with like that order that they've essentially like literally developed into like a full person and like discovered <laughs> like having a soul and stuff like that rather than just being kind of like a product um see that would be a really inter another really interesting like small side story is you've got these two groups of clones one that's a fresh batch just out of the cloning tanks and another that they're veterans of the war and the order 66 goes out the new clones all pull up their rifles to shoot the Jedi, and the old clones go, wait, what are you, no, stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, uh, well, and, like, they do explore that <clears throat> a little bit in, like, Clone Wars. Like, there, there's an episode, I think, where they run into, like, a clone that deserted, and uh, he's, yeah. like, on a farm or something. Yeah. Um, he's got, like, yeah. a family. Yeah, yeah. So, they're, they're and they, they've, ta they, they did a better job than <clears throat> most other like installments or from what I've seen of like really exploring because the, the clone army is like one of the most fascinating concepts in like star Wars for me, where it's like, these are like real people. Like these yeah. are like real dudes. I, so they're all conscious. Like they're all self-aware. They all kind of know what's going on, but at the same time, they also know that they're bred for like a specific purpose. You know that they're like, um, their genetics have been fucked with, so they're going to age, like, quicker. Um, so, like, how do people deal with that? Like, how does that... I think the ramifications? Yeah. Well, it's also an interesting commentary on nature versus nurture in Star Wars, because they're all cloned from Jango Fett, who, while a Mandalorian, technically a Mandalorian of, like, the society that values order and military order, he's a bounty hunter who lives on the edge of society, and is mm -hmm. kind of a rebellious aspect of society, but these clone troopers all willing, like almost all willingly serve this good ordered society without question between the conditioning yeah. and <laughs> what other devices, story devices they use. Meaning nurture is so much more important in Star Wars universe than nature. Well, it'd be like, it'd be like if uh, the U S army was, was the clone army of like one of the leaders of the hell's angels <laughs> right like, yeah. Like, like, like yeah so it's it's an interesting concept where it's like uh yeah um like i don't know if they explore that in the clone wars if like the clones have any latent like Django or just like fet-esque or mandalorian-esque tendencies or habits or anything like that um i don't know if they, they talk i about haven't seen enough clone wars to know but what I do know is we could give some advice. We should, yeah. Uh, how to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week is, why do people want my number now? Further details. So I've recently helped a coworker cover her two shifts, and now the other, this other girl has asked for my number in case she can't do a shift. Then today, the first coworker asked if she can give my number to another person. Why are people coming up to me now? Because you showed weakness. Um, 
There's two X. Ex- there might be two explanations for this. I could see, and Calvin might be more right than I want him to be. But um, you are weak. Your bloodline is weak, and you will not survive the harvest. I I w- will say one. Either someone likes you, or two, um, someone likes you because they know you're going to cover their ships. Yeah, taking advantage of you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm leaning towards the cover shifts one, considering this is two people now you've covered shifts for, and they're like, hey, can we give your number to a third person? Yeah, maybe that third person's just, like, finds covering shifts, like, really hot, and they just really want to meet you. Or they Um, want you to cover their shifts. Or other things. They want, yeah, sure. Both could happen at the same time. Mm, No! No! Andrea Perdue all the time. I don't know because I didn't watch that show, but I'm just going to assume that Don Draper had a lot of sex at his office. I don't think so. I haven't seen the show either, though. Okay. Well, Jordan Belfort had a lot of sex at his office, so at least there's one. There's one example. So you can do both. Do you shouldn't. Really like? Do they want to put cocaine in your butt? Uh, don't do that them. either. <laughs> I mean, don't do it like without proper guidance. No, don't do it at all. Sure, you have someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, who knows not to. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, people just want your number because they want you to work for them so that they don't have to work. Or friends, maybe. And maybe. And, uh, Our next question. What would you do if you had a friend that constantly texted you even though they told you they don't want to hang out with you ever? Um... <laughs> Do what I do with all my friends and ignore it. It's <laughs> 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 because it's true. You know, uh, no, I would probably. I mean, I I probably occasionally respond, but I figure like, well, if we're not gonna hang out, then like, yeah, like, I'll, you know, I'll respond when I want to. I guess. What about you, Calvin? Uh, sorry, I got distracted. Uh. What would you do if you had a friend that constantly texted you even though they told you they don't want to hang out with you ever? Don't want to hang out with you ever. Yep. I don't know. Maybe they don't prefer online communication than physical. Ooh. Mm. They have they a uh, rare communicable disease that, or an autoimmune <laughs> problem, so they have to live in a bubble. Maybe they're a 2010 like LG slider, and they just don't want you to find out because they're embarrassed. Maybe uh, uh, yeah. COVID times. Yeah, maybe maybe that too. If your friend is actually a cell phone, who knows? <laughs> we have no idea. We have no way of knowing if we never hang out with them. Man, you just understand me so well, better than any of my other friends do. Can we get coffee sometime? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine like getting catfished by like a Nokia? That'd I be mean, crazy. <laughs> isn't isn't that that uh? There, there's chatbots online, right? The like. Yeah. There was some chatbot website that was a thing back in like 2012 or something. What's creepier, a ghost that possesses a phone or like a self-aware phone? Uh, the the ghost. I think ghost too. Like a self-aware phone would creep me. Like a phone that evolved its own intelligence. But like <laughs> the phone evolving into its own intelligence, you have the chance to at least like nurture it and teach it why humanity is worth saving the ghost is just mean <laughs> you never know ghost i mean i didn't say you know possession isn't necessarily a negative thing you don't uh, understand how ghosts work 
I, I, well, I, like, Ghosts I are created when a person has strong emotions and is murdered. They died in a terrible I, passion. I don't think that's the only way ghosts. I bet there are some ghosts like tourists. I bet ghosts take no, no yeah. ghost who is on cat. Earth. <laughs> what? What'd you say? What about Casper? Oh, Casper, man. Casper brutally murdered? Yes. But he diddle him? What? Is it like only, is it only murder? Like, do they have to be purely murdered? Like, do they show up as like how they were? I when think it's murdered? any violent death. And I think actually it's implied in Casper. I don't know if it's like the movie or something or what, but it's implied he like actually did die a very violent death. Shit. Like he drowned or something. Then he's repressing a lot because that motherfucker's like way too yeah, <laughs> too sprightly. I I would agree though. I would say a ghost mainly just because like the ramifications of like the supernatural like for me far outweigh the ramifications of like heck. Like at least that's something like man man made and because if somewhat... ghosts exist, that means mummies and vampires might exist. Yeah, it, it throws a lot of things into question, and it's like oh my god, um, okay. Uh, our next question, our next advice question is, mm-hmm. what's a good comeback to someone calling you Weasel Boy? Call him Ferret Face. Oh, James, what do you got, Weasel Boy? Um, tell them that their insult sounds like something from, like, a 2010s Nickelodeon show. That's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know we were on fucking iCarly. I didn't know Dan fucking lines for you. Okay. Nice. Whatever. I, yeah. I weasel boy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my answer: <laughs> look them dead in the eye and just deadpan. You're a dork. <laughs> You're pathetic. Pull a gun and shoot them. That's oh my I, god! No. Just like uh, yeah. Challenge them to a duel for your honor. Ooh, do that, but then choose the like biggest football player in your high school to be your champion. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Our next question. Would you stop being friends with someone who quote-unquote thinks differently? Further details. I had a few friends from the past who stopped talking to me after I became a conspiracy realist. Is it me? Or maybe they were not good friends. Ooh. Uh, okay. I don't know if Wait, I... Wait, so they became a conspiracy realist. So the person asking... So, I mean, I guess it depends on which conspiracies you're now accepting as real. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm open to some of those conspiracy theories being plausible. Because, I mean, some of them you just can never prove one way or the other. And some of them are like, yeah, I don't so, know. So I don't you know. agree the moon is made of cheese? Well, obviously it is. But... Uh, then there's also a lot of those, if you just, if I, I feel like a lot of people that are like, I'm a conspiracy realist, they go too far in yeah. and they're just like, yeah, all of them are real. And it's like, well, I don't know about all of them. <laughs> oh my God. That reminded me of something. So there is an episode of Ono, Ross and Carrie, a podcast that investigates people who believe in some crazy outlandish stuff. They went to a conference for these things and found a guy out in California who is actually doing that and trying to connect every conspiracy ever together? <laughs> because awesome. he believes they're all real. That's the church I'll follow. <laughs> like, it has a web graphic of everything being tied together. 
It's amazing. Man, I want to see his wall with all the red string and pictures. And... It looked beautiful. It'd be a modern art masterpiece, truly. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I would say... Here's my like I'm into conspiracy theories. Uh I like them just as like stories and like adding different shades to like, you know, the, the more traditional like mainline history that we get. Thought projects. My biggest issue with Yeah, exactly. My biggest issue with like conspiracy theorists and those theories is like I think it's like usually a simple kind of problem, but it creates like a big disconnect. And it's through a lot of them. Like, I think a lot of those conspiracy theories and theorists try to use, they try to explain everything. They try to set up, like, the whole event as, like, well, this was all engineered. Like, with 9-11. It's like, oh, Bush did it. Oh, the towers are holograms. Like, no floors. uh, Controlled demolition. Blah, blah, blah. But, like, to me, the meat of, like, conspiracy theories isn't in, like, the origin of an event, but, like, the response to it. And where the response might differ from, like, a policy side versus, like, a public uh, relations side. Like, what the what the government was telling the public versus what they were actually doing post whatever event happens. That, yeah. to me, is, like, those are more the more interesting parts of conspiracy theories. The ones that I can, like, believe a little bit more because you can see, like, physical proof at times. You just go back through the, like, news records of, like, discrepancies between what was actually being said and what was actually being done. So yeah, one would... of the, my advice to this question would be you need to take a step back, figure out what theories it is you're buying into. Cause if you're a flat earther, I'm sorry, you're wrong. There's no easy way to say this, uh, but you're wrong. If you're a, like, like we were talking about earlier with the Operation Northwoods, where that sort of stuff could be happening, theoretically. Like, that, it's a little out there, but, you know, it's it's a little plausible. Yeah. And then, think about the people who you stopped being friends with. Did you, were you one of those people who's like, flat earth, flat earth, flat earth all the time? Or were you just like, oh, hey, we're going to hang out and have pizza and go bowling. But I also happen to, in my private time, believe in Flat Earth. Like, That's a good point. Yeah, you got to have a personality. Like, that's the problem with a lot of these things, too, is, like, these like people just let this become their whole, like, thing. I do think, honestly, like, a lot of conspiracy theories, people get so into them because sometimes I really do think, like, shitty things just happen in the world. Like, it just happens. Like, bad things just happen. And I think there's an impulse with a lot of conspiracy theorists to believe that there's a kind of like structure and order yeah. through all of it. Um, so that like, you don't have to deal then with like that idea that like, you know, those kind of bad things do just sometimes happen. That, you know, it's not a secret society or well, that, alien. There's been some research whatever. done that that's part of it is, the bad things can ha- like that's part of why they buy into them is these things are happening these things are conspiracies are a little bit simpler and can give the person who believes in them the sense that they're in control like they see the truth they know what's going on so they have control over their life in a way they may might not have before 
Yeah. And it's like, and it's difficult too, because there's definitely some stuff there where it's like, it does seem like some conspiracy theories hold legitimate weight. And there is stuff that ha- like gets talked about that isn't like you know, discussed in like larger circles or whatever. But that kind of stuff is kind of few and far between. You know, a yeah. lot of it, I take it all, this stuff is almost more like historical fiction or some kind of weird new. Like hybrid genre <laughs> that came about because of the 60s and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Th- think things over a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And our last advice question for this week is it alright to live in a fantasy world? The further details to this one are I have fantasy friends and I don't want real friends at all. I am just going to live my life the best way I can. <laughs> I'm going to do everything with my fantasy friends and myself. That includes vacations, restaurants, and other activities. I'm going to live like this to the day I die. What do you think? Now, I mean, part of that sounds like schizophrenia. Um, that's the I mean, thing. I don't think it's bad to, like, daydream and stuff, but I definitely think there's a you, you can take it too far. Because as much as you may want... Oh, an idealistic world or all this stuff it's just not what it is that's not that you yeah. there's still a real world that you're living in and i feel like a lot of those aspects that you want from a fantasy world you can find in this world true yeah for me at least if the past eight months have proven anything it's like oh man crazy shit really can happen in real life who knows <laughs> um yeah, I would say I can definitely I can understand this impulse. Like, absolutely. Like, this is basically how I lived like a lot of my childhood, you know. Um, but eventually, I would say eventually you, you have, have to leave Narnia. Yeah, or put those energies that like created Narnia to good use, like channel them through something. If you are creative in that sense, like maybe start just start writing, start writing about it. Why not? A journal, so, do something. Here's the crazy thing. There are people who actually do live like this with Mm. a, well, I guess the best way to describe it is a controlled form of schizophrenia. Yeah. And they're called tulpas. Fuck, I've been seeing this online. I was so, I'm so confused about it because I've, I've read explanations. I thought tulpa was something else. So what is is this thing? Tulpa is as far as I understand it, Tulpa is the creation of a second personality and base- driving yourself to create a split personality on purpose. Okay. Uh, to the extent that it, you really are just inducing split personality on yourself. Like, it is another per- personality who has their own thoughts, ideas, preferences, likes, dislikes, and can take over at times. Hi. A... Do this with like pillows or figures, right? Like sometimes, like they'll use like actual objects as like a reference point or something. Because uh, that's what I is like. They can make like little dolls sometimes or whatever to like represent the. I just, oh, go ahead, Calvin. I just googled it, and apparently, it's a part of Tibetan Buddhism is where it comes from. Huh. It's a concept of in mysticism and par- uh, in the paranormal of of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental powers. It was then adapted 
to refer to a type of willed imaginary friend, which practitioners consider to be sentient and relatively autonomous. Yeah, I go. Yeah. Psychologically speaking, uh, as long as they're not, uh, what is what is the terminology? I know the terminology. As long as they are not a danger to themselves or others, and as long as they are able to function as a member of society, they do not have a mental illness. So it's technically not schizophrenia, and it's technically not a uh, split personality. These people, according to this, a study of the people who practice this uh, it says they prim- they belong to primarily urban middle class euro american adolescent and young adult demographic yep yeah <clears throat> i really think i think it's probably common among um mainly young men and i really think yeah. what it is is probably just like a channeling of sexual frustration into- yeah it says they cite loneliness and social anxiety as an incentive to pick up the practice yeah i go on um i go on like uh 4chan's like paranormal board uh pretty frequently and there's usually like a few general threads that they have for like tulpa advice or like creation or shit like that so yeah it's definitely popular enough where on like a board like that you know people are flocking to it and you usually get like decent amount of replies but i don't know man like i don't it's dangerous territory yeah, I don't fully believe, like, I'm not super into the whole, like, mystic stuff. It's like, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't rule out the possibility, so I don't fuck with it, because I just don't. <laughs> like, I, it's like, if it was real, like, if it is, like, I, I just, I don't want to, I want to fuck with anything. Like, I'm not going to fuck with anything that I don't have any business, like, being being around. And it's not necessarily, like... I totally fear. Maybe there's like a bit of respect there, but I also feel like a lot of it's bullshit. Like I've seen, you see some of those people who get like really into like the crystals and yeah, it's and and it's like I I get what you guys are going for. I understand. Like you know, maybe you really do feel this connection, but then I would also feel like you know, really pure connections don't need a whole lot of like accoutrements to like bring stuff out. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Like I don't know. Yeah. The thing that gets me with this is how dangerously close it is to becoming a problem for you if you do this. Because, like, the podcast I heard, like, I heard about, like, a podcast case study on it and listened to that episode. And in it, the person they interviewed about their tulpa, like, admitted to, like, yeah, I, like, they don't hang out with people who don't have tulpas. And it's gradually start, like, it you can see it heading down a path of actually impairing their life into becoming... How do they know that someone doesn't have a tulpa, though? I don't remember. Maybe they just ask. Yeah, I think it basically was like they only reach out to other people in their tulpa forums and, like, they were becoming more and more homebodies and it's just like, you're getting close to dangerous psychologically there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fucked. I... Yeah, that's one of the, most, the dangers and benefits of the internet is that if you have a weird niche, you can find any, uh, you, you will find other people like you and it's a place for people to connect and form communities and feel safe in that regards. But at the same time, you can't just isolate yourself to those communities and surround yourself in this like echo chamber of just, because then you can go too deep into it. Yep. And yeah. I feel like in some ways that would be this is a product of that. 
feel like almost in a way like the internet has become like reality's subconscious like it's yeah. kind of where everyone goes to just put all their shit like that they can't say or do or make or be in real life and they just throw it up all over the internet and it's like because you are you when you're online but you're also like quote unquote like heightened version like whether you're posting or talking you know to people on message boards or places like reddit or facebook or whatever like it's not exactly you but it it still is obviously you're emphasizing pieces of yourself yeah and and it feels weirdly personal and intimate even when you're like online with people like it's it was weird um i remember when i was like in quarantine last March, um, <clears throat> up in the UP, and we're having like a family Zoom call. It was the first time I'd ever seen like some of my like family members even thought about them like using the computer regularly. Uh-huh. It was like a it was like a bizarre feeling because it's like I associate the internet with so much of my personal life, and to see like family members, come, it, it's like a weird like mix of you know yeah. Um, that's what's been interesting about a lot of the stuff I think in the past eight months is like how much more public like the internet feels now. Like it doesn't feel like something that's just in people's homes and like on their computers. It feels like ubiquitous at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think part uh, of it's too like what sites you go to because like Facebook, um, my relatives are on Facebook, whatever. But I can't imagine any of my relatives using Reddit. I can't. I know my dad does, but yeah, like actually, no, because there's a difference. Like, I think sometimes that's a problem with like older people or boomers or whatever the fuck you want to call them is like they think using a site means just like going to it. Like, and yeah. it's like not really. Like, using a site is for me, it means like actually to some degree being keyed into like the culture and having like specific patterns that, that you go through, like and, you know, being a part of that site's community and stuff. Yeah, it's a difference between saying like I visited a neighborhood and I live in a neighborhood. Like mm. those are, you know, those are different things. So, yeah. all right. Scratch, 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 scratch. What are you? What are you doing? Scratching the underside of my arm. You ever done that? Feels good. It sounded like you were scratching like a cat. Oh, he was. Oh, yep. You Provide. did you staple a cat to your arm? I am a cat. I'm actually just a black cat in a sweater and some joggers right now. That's uh, that's what I look like. Is this? It, it, are we doing this here and now? Uh-huh. Are we? Are we gonna cover furries? Oh shit, dude! There's so much. Like you want to talk about fucking subconscious? All there's right. so much. All right, I feel like we need to. We're gonna wrap up. <laughs> but this is the definitive better buddy stance on furries. You want to be a furry? That's cool. You do that. That's fine. That's great. Go go have fun you bring any of that stuff into like places that are not furry centric furry oriented please rethink how you organize your social structure because i had to deal with that crap freshman year of college where a girl just wore a foxtail all the time it's like i don't i don't you mm, i don't know what you're gonna do for a job is it a clip-on or was it one of the ones you have to shove up your ass clip-on james come on 
she's a fucking poser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only counts if you have it surgically attached. Yeah. <laughs> it only counts if you grew it. Let's not let's not yeah. gatekeep, guys. Let's not let's not gatekeep the furries. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> They're gatekept enough by nature. This is fair. <laughs> they only get ca- gatekept if they want to be in the cage. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for joining me for to end on that note. Mm. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song "Living in the Moment" off the album "Cross Off Yesterday." Please don't revoke that. They're on iTunes and Spotify. Give them a listen. We're on iTunes and Spotify. As far as I've seen, we haven't been on anybody's like the top five podcasts <laughs> you listen to this year. What? <laughs> I know, <laughs> shocker. Is it is it bad that it didn't even make it onto my own? I didn't I didn't listen to enough of the episodes well, this year. Fair, you're in it, so you don't have to listen to it. Thank you for validating me. You lived it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. We have our social medias. We're on Facebook, Better Buddies, Twitter at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when tweeting about the show, and our Gmail account. Better buddies cast at gmail.com. Send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of war and love. Uh, teach us furry etiquette, I guess. Uh, just teach us that for sure. And be careful with your tulpas. And last but not least, be a better buddy. just be like i want to quit my job and then t- somehow i'm going to be able to move to like bali or the riviera yeah like, yeah i don't know <laughs> they're like i'm going to quit my job and i'm going to spend every day traveling and it's like well probably not uh, <laughs> okay yeah I know, sure. that, that, uh, rick steve's guy can backpack around europe for like five bucks a day but that is his job <laughs> yeah it, to be fair it's a, something he learned to turn into his job. The first time he did it, he was 18, fresh out of high school, and uh, left with like $120 and came back with nothing, including like all his stuff was gone, and he like was starving. Yeah, but that was also probably what, the 80s? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> those yeah, were different that, times. Yeah, those were just a little bit. When like $5 American probably equated to royalty in East Europe. <laughs> you mean it doesn't? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it still does, but now it takes 20. <laughs> Just a little bit more. Oh, uh, there goes our international audience.